At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and beguile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises and what they mean in the broader pop culture. We're still talking about Disney princesses, and this week we are doing Disney and Pixar's Brave, uh, which won the Academy Award for uh, Best Animated Feature and is the first uh oscar uh animated feature to ever go to a female director brenda chapman and we are gonna talk about her and all of her travails in making this movie no kidding holy cow jeez there's some stories here uh we have gathered the the finest um Fae and warriors throughout the land to uh, to join us in this quest. Uh, I am Andy Wilson, your host, and returning champ Woo! Melissa Martinez <laughs> is back. Yeah, I'm literally returning finally. No uh, kidding. Yeah, uh, I had COVID. Yeah, and, uh, I no longer have it officially. I've tested negative again, but. Yeah, I'll be muting the button quite often to, uh, because <laughs> I still have a terrible cough and some congestion. So, yeah, this but is I'm here, and you can understand me because for a few days you couldn't even understand me. Like it was that bad. This is the COVID episode. JB gave both Melissa and I COVID <laughs> through the podcast, so <laughs> there will be coughing. There is congestion. Thanks, JB. Well, they say only the. The, the ancient of us were brave enough to drink the COVID fire. And so here we are. <laughs> well, there we are. I am, I am really sorry that, that 75% of this podcast currently still has or some form of COVID since I had it. And I don't think I'm better either, even though I'm testing negative. So yeah, all of us. Yeah. I think, I think I'm probably still testing positive, uh, my last my last positive test was Monday, so it's, it's I haven't tested recently, but I probably still have it. Um, uh, I don't know. It pro- I think you're definitely COVID negative, though. Uh, my sibling Kit, how you doing? The only non-COVID <laughs> positive person here. I uh, yeah, I had I've had I think all the all the strains of COVID. Oh jeez! And so, luckily, not this last week. Uh, but yeah, it's it's no fun. So, to all you out there trying to stay safe, I learned something new this week. 
when you touch the outside of her mask, apparently it puts the COVID on your hands. So when you take your mask off, oh, no. in, like I was like, I'm being so careful. I'm taking my mask off in the car and sanitizing. So sanitize after you take your mask off, folks. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I still have no idea where I caught it. I, just... I mean, it, Omicron is a is a very uh, we're just gonna call it insidious. It, it gets everywhere. It's like glitter. It's the craft herpes of viruses. It's rough and it's irritating and it gets everywhere. Yeah, it's the it's the Hayden Christensen of <laughs> COVID I'm so mean. Hasn't that man been through enough? Leave him alone. I'm no. that I'm that line reading of uh, or it's the that specific line reading of COVID variants. Hayden is fine. I enjoyed him on Obi Wan. He, he was much, fun. He gets almost as much hate as uh, fucking Jar Jar, and I, I don't understand. <laughs> like he wasn't great. The acting was really terrible but, in those movies for the most part. But I mean, God. Shit. I, I blame the directors for that because I'm mm -hmm. like, Hayden has been good in other movies. Like that one with Kevin Klein, he made Yeah, Life cry. is a House. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so is so Natalie Portman, by the you, way, but she oh, was terrible sure. too. Yeah, it's like, yeah. and it's like, if you can make Natalie Portman a terrible actress, you are a shitty director. Excuse my language. But no. like, she can do almost anything. Apparently, even getting extremely. Oh. Holy smokes, the workout they, they put her through, she looks fantastic. And kudos for that. That that workout is miserable that she was on. So I can't even wait for next week because yeah. I can't wait for she's gonna steal that yet. movie and I'm for it. Yeah. But I mean she's done Magic Pixie Dream Girl to V for Vendetta, where she will, you know, by the end fuck your shit up. And yeah. like, uh, I mean, even the professional, her very first one. Was oh yeah. Awesome. So it's like, yeah. I, I completely blame the directors Agreed. and sorry, George Lucas for the terrible yeah. acting in that film. Yeah. George really, Lucas, not a great director. I not like a great actor's director. We're trying to do, but I think, I think they were so tightly wound that it just failed. Um, yeah. yeah. Agreed. George Lucas. If, if I want someone to set up an amazing action sequence, I know who I want to call. If I want someone who can give me like humanistic dialogue, that is not who I'm going to call. Andy, who are you going to call? <laughs> <laughs> One of my yeah. favorite in-movie commercials. <laughs> oh no! It's that who are you going to call? again. <laughs> yeah. it's great. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so uh brooke will be here in a moment she's uh she is dealing with another ailment that is not covid uh apparently her kittens gave her allergic pink eye so there we go um <laughs> this podcast is currently brought to you by what like uh, obamacare <laughs> uh, yeah no serious i think uh, we heavy, get a right sponsor <laughs> heavy doses of uh various like antihistamines yeah. and uh anti um uh, uh well, expectorants hey expectorants. Mutinex, if you're if you're listening email andy 
we will hook you up on this podcast. We have yes. all you are saving our lives. So yeah, Musinex, <laughs> we will will give you give you a shout out. Uh, <laughs> Musinex for all your COVID related things. But let's let's not talk about uh, our ailments. Let's talk about this movie, Brave. Yes. Uh, who who saw this when it first came out? I did. Not me. I think I did, but not in the theater. I think it was right after that. Okay. Yeah. We definitely saw it in the theater too and really loved it. Like my my eldest was like all in on Merida. Yep. Like wanted the Merida like wanted the Merida hair and the bow and the dress and the like was like this is awesome. I love Merida. This is who I want to be and I'm like sweet. A, uh, a quote-unquote princess who, like, makes active choices and says, fuck the patriarchy. I love it. Uh, more of that, please. Um, Kit, what what about you when you saw it? Uh, I was, I was like, 95% all in. I really loved it. Uh, I, I self-identify as wanting to be more Scottish than I am. Uh, <laughs> yes, same. I, I think we're only like a quarter to like three eighths Scottish. And I went yeah. to Scotland with my friend who's like 75% Scottish. And they're all like, Ooh, you're definitely Scottish. And I'm like, but what about me? And they're like, ah, you're American. Um, and so <laughs> I was out of the gate already going to be excited because it was set in Scotland, but also it was the first normally sized princess that wasn't like 90 pounds looking uh, who who did things and was interesting because of what she was passionate about. Um, I believe I made the try to wear the brave dress when uh, when they were the flower person of my of my wedding, but it was like really itchy or didn't fit right. It was not comfortable for them, and so we ended up getting a different dress. Ironic. And, I don't remember what the pro- specific, I think it was just incredibly itchy. Um, yeah. And also it was like 90 something degrees when I was getting married. So you just don't want to wear a velvet dress when right. it's 90 something degrees out. Yeah. So, yeah, but um, I, yeah, I, I remembered, I remembered liking it, but also like, I just didn't watch it again afterwards. Like I thought like, oh, this is a, cool new take on Disney princesses, but it wasn't like, that's a movie I have to watch again. And that I really enjoyed. Um, and as time went on, I remembered being like, yeah, the movie was kind of there. It was kind of clunky in some places. And you could tell there had been like a lot of studio meddling and, had to shoehorn in a bunch of stuff for boys and um, I, that, and that's kind of how my perception changed. M- Melissa was the first time you saw this just now, or have you, had you watched it before? I had watched it before, but I, it was one of those things where like I was watching it because people around me seemed to, who had seen it seemed to enjoy it. I, I, for some reason, I couldn't get into it. I don't know what it was. I I think maybe it was like my frame of mind at the time. This was several years ago. And um, 
I was just like, I don't want to watch another fucking princess movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was just, I just had like a bad attitude going in, and so that that made it hard for me to really get into it. And I, I didn't finish the movie, and I never, I just never revisited it because I mean, there's just so much shit to watch. You know, it just too many choices you know what i'm saying so seriously um, i just never went back to it you know it was never at the top of my list or on the list at all um but having watched it now i mean i liked it i i definitely didn't have the same shitty i mean i did i generally have kind of a shitty attitude <laughs> but it wasn't <laughs> <What>? as bad <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't as bad as, you know, my attitude about it wasn't as bad, even though I, do, I don't feel well still. But, you know, I was like, I'm just going to keep my mind open and going into this. And I was pleasantly surprised. I, it's not my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. I do have issues with it. Yep. But there was a lot of stuff that for a Disney and Pixar both was pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. Did it go as far as I like? Of course not. It's their first foray into this you know but the fact that they went there at least was was really great and i can appreciate that yeah i i think that's funny melissa because i texted andy and i said the same thing i'm like i would have liked to have seen pixar get to just do this without the obvious disney reigns of well now hold on right like we can't go that far because it was it felt like this whole movie really wanted to just run and somebody was was like no hold on like not yet and that so, somebody I, was <laughs> not founder of Queeby. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah melissa i i had the same thing and you know everybody and all the kids love this movie but they don't they don't watch it multiple times they go oh yeah. Meredith, like Meredith's like the she's like the character we want to be like but then they never put it on um and i wonder if that's part of those things in the movie that just um, you know, they love the character, but there was there were some things that kept it from being its full potential. Um, well, for me, part of the reason why I don't know that I'll revisit this is there are some things that hit a little close to home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship, the strained relationship between mother and daughter, which is something Disney's never explored. I mean, Jesus, how many times is the mother even alive in a Disney movie? You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. Um so not only is the mother alive, but she's like a big part of this world. And she um, she has this strained relationship with her daughter. And I think a lot of us do, you know, and it was the first time I've seen Disney really explore that. And, um, so, it w- so when I referred to like groundbreaking before, that was the biggest one, you know, um, not only was did they show a female female relationship um but it 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 was like central to the story you know it wasn't just like a side story or something and the mom was clearly the one in charge you know what i mean like it's it reminded me of um do y'all remember when we did steel magnolias for the oh, podcast. Yeah. oh yeah yeah i told you that i had talked to my southern friend who who is from alabama and he says that uh one of the oldest things um traditions in the south is women gathering together to bitch about their husbands yeah and i was remembering that as i saw you know this this 
movie where the men are pretty incompetent and quick to violence and and the women i was like yeah those women gather and bitch about their husbands too this you know like i just know it um because and the women have to do all the heavy lifting here uh which is exasperating i've explained that before in in previous movies where like bell had to do all the heavy lifting because her father's an idiot you know yeah um that happens here too so that was frustrating but the fact that they centered a female female relationship even though it was adversarial sometimes and stuff it wasn't stereotypically so in a lot of ways it was um kind of truthful and and but maybe a little too real for some of us and not you know not something i want to revisit really and and so extreme really i mean i i thought it was so strange like oh you have to be you have to turn the mom into a bear that slowly loses consciousness right like that that seemed like a weird overreach to me um, yeah th- anyway I, I mean i can see where they were going with it but yeah like it's so much filler because then the movie is just chase the bear around kind of thing for 40 minutes i'm like yeah. i would have I I rather dealt to... with the, the relationship like you said melissa yeah it's like they were trying to do like a folklore thing yeah and it, it was kind of clunkily integrated and not only that the whole thing started because of that stupid cake and if Marita is like half as smart as they make us think she is, would she have fallen for that? Like a witch in the woods makes her a cake. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not even a Harmon's or something. Like go to the grocery store. And <laughs> Look, it's like really simple. There are very basic rules for dealing with the Fae. If you see a circle of stones of mushrooms in the forest, do not walk into it. If you encounter a creature in there and they offer you food, do not take it. If they offer you a deal, do not take it. Do not make deals with fairy people. You will get screwed over. I mean, this this was like very like n- nice that things worked out for Merida, but like generally speaking, don't don't fuck with the fairy folk you they will they will trick you and you will get it in the ass very bad don't eat their food turn you into a donkey (laughs) what was that brooke oh by the way welcome brooke hi hi i'm here um but what if what if you like taking it there what if that's what if you get off on that? Well, I I, I say just, that jokingly, I, but I also say it kind of seriously. Like, what if Merida had enough, like, idiotic foresight to know that this was the course she was supposed to take, and it worked out because it was supposed to, and it was supposed yeah. to bring this level of peace to the whole kingdom and to reset things the way that it did, and instead of listening to the warnings she followed what was mostly desperation but also her path to go on yeah i mean i i i'm i'm being i'm being a little more glib but yes i mean i it, this was obviously like the the kindly old woman woodcutter like obviously was not only trying to help merida and her mom but 
you know, heal a generation's old trauma um, that that had happened in this kingdom. And uh, that's that's great. That's nice. But um, yeah, it it certainly felt like uh, they were. Um, it was pretty high stakes there for a while. I also know that I'm jumping in without with having missed the first everything of this discussion. Uh, so. you, you just missed us talking about how we want to get sponsored by Mucinex. It's okay. Oh, that would so. be great. Do they have a product for their eyes? Yes. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, so, Brooke, when did you first see this movie? Um, I first saw it when Prue was fairly little. Um, a bunch of our friends really liked it because they're all redheads and have history and things and so we watched it with them um and i i don't know what everyone has talked about so far i was listening to melissa's take on it when i jumped in first um and i don't i i'm wondering if i was very interested in getting melissa's take on this movie because i knew that as i watched it i was going to miss things that she didn't <laughs> and i'm grateful to have heard what she had to say about it so far, but I felt like, I don't know. Never mind. I'll answer your question. I saw it many times and then I just watched it again recently. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, but I think, I think we can all agree that like, there's a lot that was really great in here. Um, we really like the, the dynamics between, uh, the the women characters and the, how that's the center of the movie and that's really what it should be then it feels like there's a bunch of clunky stuff that feels kind of thrown in on top of it that is a little less good um and which which i firmly lay that at um at the feet of of john lassiter and other folks at disney who apparently micromanaged this movie to death um, to the point where uh, halfway through the production they um, demoted its its director and brought in a male director to co-direct the movie and sort of took it away from her um, and they called it quote unquote creative differences but realistically it was um she had a very specific idea. This was, she wanted to do this movie based on her relationship with her daughter. And um, John Lasseter wanted to make a somewhat different movie. And uh, that's, that's what we got here, kids. Doesn't, doesn't John Lasseter sound like he wanted to make this into a Western? Like, that's just the worst name. Like... <sighs> It really is. Like, oh, I'm John Lasseter. <laughs> Let John me ruin Lasseter. your movie for you. <laughs> yeah, John Lasseter, lots of hugging bear himself. Um, <laughs> the extra in guy. Back to the Future 3. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, and I don't know. Should we... I, we need to talk about John Lasseter either here or when we do the Toy Story movies. I Let's don't know. Let's do it. Do it here for a second because I'm I'm interested. I mean, I haven't done as much of the research into the backstory, but I mean, I think it really did change. Like I said, and, and Melissa and I chat about. It, I think it really changed the essence of this movie. 
and, and what might have made this a more complete film. So, I, I mean, I'm okay with it here if you don't mind, Andy. I don't. Um, and, and Kit, I know you you probably have, have followed a lot of this too um, for a long time. But so Lasseter was at Disney back in back in the 80s and 90s and he was one of their their head guys and he was um he was he was a part of the disney renaissance and then he went over to pixar and was one of the main people there um and is you know in in many ways a um you know this this brilliant director in his own right and he really wanted to have Disney and Pixar make movies that were more like Hayao Miyazaki movies. Um, and, uh, you know, is definitely the, uh, the, the genius behind cars. <laughs> he is, uh, that was his idea. He thought that, you know, Oh, well, this is exactly what we need to do with this. Um, and, uh, as it, as it came out, um, Okay, well, when <coughs> when Disney bought Pixar, um, one of the deals that they made was that Lasseter would continue to oversee Pixar animation, but then he would also become head of Disney's animation. And that's part of what they really wanted was they wanted Lasseter. Was they said, okay, well, this is the guy who has been you know, behind the Toy Story movies, um, been behind all of all of these other really successful things. Let's put him in charge of other things. Um, at the same time, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Disney is at this this inflection point where the Princess and the Frog doesn't do as well. Um, at the box office and they think it's too girl centric uh, they go to Tangled and they well, they rename it Tangled because it can't be called Rapunzel and it can't be a princess story it's got to be about boys 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 it becomes the Flynn Rider movie um, and Several years later after this, there are multiple incredible charges of inappropriate behavior by John Lasseter towards female employees at Disney Pixar. Um, everything from inappropriate hugging and touching to comments and just a general air that made female employees um, uncomfortable around him uh, to just being a real dick to um, to female employees and um, and treating them in ways that he uh, did not disrespect other male directors um, and and it, it really seems like Brenda Chapman was one of these people um, against whom he, you know, he just really came in and decided to try to micromanage her movie. And, um, yeah, and then that was that. Uh, 
Lassiter ended up taking a an extended leave of absence from from Disney and Pixar, and um, and then eventually leaving in general. And then he's got his own studio now. Skydance, is that right? I can't remember, but he's still kicking like around. Yeah, because yeah. Skydance did a lot of. Um, he directed some stuff from from Skydance, right? Oh. Yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah. But I'll try to remember the movies. I remember there was a couple of them that he did at Skydance. He's but. still around, but um, you know, but but there was this time in the early 2010s, late late 2000s, um, where. It was not a good time for women at uh, um, at Disney and Pixar, and it was largely Lassiter's fault. And uh, so, you know, when I when I call him lots of hugging bear, um, that that's a reference to the the bad guy in uh, Toy Story three, but also because he's because uh, yeah, he's the villain who doesn't seem like the villain at first, but uh, yeah, he's. And he's always hugging his female co-workers and uh, inappropriately touching them. So, um, yeah. Um, but, you know, Brenda Chapman is is an accomplished, was an accomplished director even, even prior to her taking this movie on. Um, she, she came up through Disney in, in much the same way. She worked on Little Mermaid. Um, she was a major force behind Beauty and the Beast and did a bunch of um, really high-end work there. She became the head of story over The Lion King and uh, was a major driving force on that. <coughs> and then when, um, when Jeffrey Katzenberg, co-founder of Queeby, went and formed uh, DreamWorks, she was one of the first people that he invited over and um, he gave her the uh, a co-directing job on The Prince of Egypt which by the way fantastic film um, and she did great work on that and then um, but she was like I don't really like you know the, the rest of what DreamWorks is working on because they're doing Shrek and so um, some of the folks at Pixar, you know, invited her back over and she came and she came over to work at Pixar because it seemed like that's where there a lot of the magic was happening. And uh, and she eventually got brave and um, and then it got taken away from her halfway through. Um, she still is the, the named co-director and she's always been really, um, I don't know. She's always been really diplomatic about um, what she has to say about working there, which makes me think um, they must have made her sign like a really crazy uh, non-disclosure. Yeah, always, always the NDA, right? Yeah, so... Prince which, of Egypt, which was the precursor me. to uh, murder, only murders in the building, since it had Steve Martin and Martin Short. Hey, that's true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. season two out now. That's right. Yep. Anyway, 
did you read the article about them that that everyone's just fascinated by them because they would play board games together in the breaks while everybody else would like play on their phone or nap they would be playing like really That's long awesome. board games together <laughs> yeah because they're like we want to stay interested and in character so they'd play board games <laughs> i'm glad they didn't play risk or they would have blown yeah, the thing up the three-day axis and allies like kit we used to have in in the house in san diego <laughs> oh my gosh wow pretty sure i got divorced over that board game once <laughs> <laughs> only one of them but well thanks for doing That's that Andy. Yeah. Anyway, that is really interesting. So, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, for some yeah. So it's it's hard not to see Lassiter's like big boy energy trying to like weasel its fingers into this movie. And I I don't know. I come away looking at this feeling like I can see those fingerprints, and that's what what sort of makes this movie clunky and not work some of it i don't know like i i go back and forth on the three little boys i'm like are the three little boys great or are they terrible um in some ways they're really fun in some ways yeah don't fit yeah i think that's the that's the phrase what is their what is their purpose right? but don't you feel like they're important i and do a plucky comic relief not even yeah. a plucky comic relief i think they're i feel like i had a different experience with the movie <laughs> okay um and i think maybe that's because i had to fight my own mother so much growing up in in subtle ways um and learn how to not feel like I was a disappointment just because she was disappointed. And when I watched the three brothers, especially with the three of them all being the same age and being so disastrous in these different things, um, I think they give a lot of counterbalance that's needed to depict just how little was put onto them and how different the relationship was. Like, I felt like that was like, really needed to be explored like they're kind of in the background they're kind of comic relief but they're also really illustrative of why things are just shit for her and and not shit at the same time right like she's also the oldest and she gets to become her own person and and because of what's being put onto her she discovers herself way more than i feel like those boys are ever going to discover themselves and i just i felt like they really added a really important counterpiece to to her story well and it's this entire society where the men are allowed to be children and right. you know everything has to be <clears throat> the entire society falls apart without eleanor um, and Merida is expected to step into that role, and she doesn't want to. She wants to be one of the boys. I did. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. I did kind of feel, though, that um, because I was listening to, to um, Melissa talking earlier about how <clears throat> everything is put on the women and, and the weightiness of that, and I did feel that as I was watching it, but I also, like... 
the relationship between the fathers and their sons as they come up and especially when they open the conversation about them not wanting to just get married either like i felt like we were seeing a display an illustration of the women and their roles together without getting to see the fullness of the men and their roles together and the way that the men interacted with the women like i didn't I didn't feel it was all just the women holding society. Like they obviously did to a certain point, but I also felt like the men definitely have their roles and their um, their dynamics as well that they're carrying that are heavy for them. Uh, but we just weren't seeing that. We weren't instead of taking away from the women and their story, they stayed focused on the women. And I, to me, I felt like yes, there is a lot on them and their side of this like but i've always felt that like i think when we talked about cinderella and some of the earlier princesses i was like people always fantasize about being a princess but it's a really heavy job like you have to carry a lot it's not you don't just become a princess and have your life taken care of like it's really heavy and i felt like this was the first movie in which they really honored that and i i just felt like we were only seeing their side not that the other side didn't exist does that make sense yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of those how patriarchy hurts men, too. Um, right, you know. like... Yeah. It's like they aren't, they aren't allowed to have, like, real feelings and real relationships either. Right, but, they, have to, they have to play their part. But I also felt like their part still existed. We just didn't see it in this movie because they weren't going to focus on the men, which I kind of liked. But yeah. I can see how it would feel like it was only the women who were doing everything and et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. Yeah. I just, I felt like the, the boys were important. I felt like the men and their roles and the weird dynamics between the dads and the, the sons, I felt like all that played in just really beautifully. But listening to your description of the production and everything that was going on behind the scenes, that would have definitely changed the way I watched the movie. So, yeah. I don't know. A lot that I missed, clearly, but just had a little bit. I think if my mother had been turned into a bear and I could have addressed all the shit between us within three sunrises, that would have saved me a lot of fucking heartache in my life. <laughs> and I know that it's like folklore style, but like. I felt like the extremeness of her being changed into this thing and having to risk losing her whole life and soul to it and really being forced to examine that family dynamic. Like, I thought that was really beautiful because I wish I had been able to do that earlier in my life and not have spent three, almost four years without any contact with my mother because she would have really helped me during that time but I yeah. didn't have that opportunity. And so I, it, it's obviously folklore. It's obviously over-exaggerated. It's obviously like in a story setting at which it does get kind of punky in the middle, but I also experienced it just really beautifully. Yeah. I think that Brave, I really liked how it went down the rabbit hole of like having to come of age as, as a young woman um, as Ben Fold says, it hurts to grow up, it sucks to grow up, um, 
there's this glass ceiling of gender where especially women with other women and men with other men, we police each other's gender. And so I felt like on top of Eleanor trying to prepare Meredith to take all this responsibility and to be an authority figure, there was also like, this is how you girl. We're gonna put a corset on you, which I just read is was not a thing in 10th century Scotland until like later. Um, but, uh, and we're going to make you fit into this expectation of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a princess. And I think in some ways, like, that whole idea of Merida kind of coming in and taking accountability for her part of the relationship was was an important thread for her story. Um, you know, especially as like 17, 18, 20 year olds and we realize that our parents kind of suck sometimes because they're human and having to kind of, I guess, accept their flaws and decide how we want to deal with them and set boundaries with them is a really important and I don't know if it's as I'm sure it's as important for men as it is for women but I felt like this was a really big struggle for me um personally uh but I also really liked that like Eleanor like watching it again I think I watched it to try to take the movies from Eleanor's perspective because when I first saw it I definitely watched it from Merida's perspective and like how much, like Melissa said, how much lifting she had to do. The, like in, in my work, we call it uh, instructional control. It's like having people look to you, respond to you, listen to what you're saying, even when it's like counter to what they wanna do, like play or have just a big brawl just for the fun of it. Um, and like, uh, it's funny, my, my Scottish friend, Megan, calls it putting the fear of mom into the children. She's like, I just I just need to put the fear of mom into them a little bit so they'll listen to me because they're getting bigger. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that uh, this was one of the movies where I felt like they really explored what it meant to be a woman rather than what it meant to be like an object or like a placeholder in a story and um, and what it feels like. Because I do, I do feel like there's a lot of glass ceilings that everybody has to break through as they're coming of age to kind of establish their own identity, establish their own boundaries and like how they are going to personally own their gender and sexuality, which, you know, it's, you know, Merida definitely was, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to say she's gender non-conforming. Like she's got the crazy fun hair. Um, but I think if she could have, she would have, you know, worn, worn the tartan and run, just been on the horse and done, done all those things that the boys could do. Um, and I think that when you're, when you're young, being gender non-conforming is accepted and even encouraged. And then when you hit about 14 to 18, I feel like that's when they definitely start to strap you down and say, this is how you girl. And um, it's it's really sucky, so. Yeah. 
I really love that kit. I love the the description of gender nonconforming and how it changes with acceptability of, with age. I think that's as I've watched my own kid grow up and move into these different spaces of discussing with me how she feels about feeling like her pronouns are she they and and more non-binary and these different things and trying to help her move into a space of discovery instead of um, feeling like she has to pin down and I like a solid identity right now to be accepted. Um, I feel like that is something that we are allowed to do for a spell when we're younger. This is okay for a spell, but then you need to get in line and do what's expected. And, um, I really like the way you just described that. And again, if the spell is in a circle of mushrooms or don't fucking take it. Yeah, no, seriously. Don't don't mess with the fairy creatures. Like, come on. Have some sense. Alright. Um anything else? What else do people like here? Or do not like? I think that was a great synthesis. I, I again I think my my struggle with it is it did not focus as much on the relationship and more on bumbling people chasing a bear. Um, and, and I would have liked a lot more of the, um, you know, the mother daughter relationship in that regard. And I, it, it is, it's still a little too much, you know, everybody bumbling around. Um, and, and I, I think all of us would, it, that relationship is so valuable and, um, it would have been good to have more of it but you know andy with your context i can kind of see why yeah i i like some of the bear shenanigans i think i could do with like 40 percent less of the bear shenanigans yeah um that's a good first then i think the stuff i like is where where um where merida and her mom are working together and learning to like work across the differences. And yeah. like the scene where they're in the, the, the giant hall and she's like, <laughs> she's pantomiming she, stuff to her. Across. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a great, like, scene. that's great. Like yeah. more of that. That's fun. Um, but uh, yeah, some, some of the other stuff, it just, it just feels like, Oh, uh, we need, we need, 20% more shenanigans here because um, we're again we're worried about boys not liking this mm-hmm. movie so yeah um, um, I'm kind of glad I didn't know all that stuff that you just told me because <laughs> I, I would have been trying to like analyze it too much instead of just sitting back and trying to like you know take it at face value you know what i mean um yeah but it makes so much sense now that you've said something because um it felt like there were shortcuts taken to me Mm -hmm. and now i think those shortcuts were wherever lassiter put his little scissor hands you know uh into it and probably took out some some you know really good stuff that would have got gone more of the distance that I was craving mm-hmm. and instead threw in, you know, shenanigans or bear stuff or, you know, like making Merida 
kind of dumb sometimes. Like, like I had a real problem. You're, you know, when the witch said that they had to heal, you know, and she took it so literally, she thought she had to sew back together or whatever the tapestry, the family, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Yeah. And she's too smart for that. Or she's supposed to be too smart for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that she would take it so literally that repairing would mean this stupid cloth. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the mom totally. is too smart for that, too. Right. Even so, in bear form, you know? Right. I, it, it just bothered me, these little things that didn't really add up. Like, is she smart or, or what? You know, I or is she like... funky. Oh. She's not smart. She's not yeah. made as an intellectual. She's like a jock and a, you know, a, you know, she's... She's not dumb, but she's definitely she's compulsive. Not as smart as her mom. She's very impulsive. She's like a you know, she's like a seventeen year old with ADHD. You just you know, this seems like a good idea, I'm gonna do this. Um, you don't think about consequences. Well, I also feel like it's kind of an accident. Again, they get a lot of things right because they fail up, but um, I felt like when you take into the human experience the urgency that the brain goes into the the fight fight or freeze of desperation of making your life like feeling like everything is being stripped away from you and i felt like she kind of got into reaction like desperate reaction mode of i'm gonna do whatever i can to change my life right now like i know when i start fighting with my mother i am not the logical experienced person that I've tried to become. I am like a really, like I go back to like seven-year-old Brooke who was hurt and wanted her mom there. And I react from that place. And so any intelligence goes out the window and I say things that I wouldn't otherwise say. And I do things I wouldn't otherwise do. And I, I feel things from that place. And so as I watched her reacting and going with the witch and having her very first connective moment with her mom be when she saw the wisps in the forest. Like I felt like that conversation between them at the beginning of the movie was really intentional of here's the thing that your mother and you actually bond over, that you actually like have something that is yours, that is uninfluenced by her father. And seeing that again in this moment of fighting and desperation and, and just begging to be seen, I would have gone too. I would have absolutely gone up that that hill and taken the cake and been like, maybe this is this is my fate. Maybe this is what I need. And so I just and then reacting of holy shit, I just turned my mother into a bear that my father's gonna try to kill. Yeah, that's, that's you want me to sew up a tapestry? Okay, fine. I'll sew up a tapestry. What do I need to do here? So that's where I saw it from. Have they done anything? A- another thing that. I- I, I'm not really all that familiar with like the Disney timeline or chronology or whatever, but have they since this movie done anything that's like female friendship or relationship centric? Have Raya. they done another one? Which one? Raya. Yeah. Raya and the Last Dragons, pretty. I mean, Frozen too, to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, Raya. I don't remember when the first one. Frozen came. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Um. Okay. 
yeah i mean i think they they continue to try to do some of this um and uh, geez I, I mean it's not princesses at all but turning red um mm. like you know that's just yeah and, that's a, another generational trauma movie for sure. yeah and i guess i guess in kanto a little bit too so i mean they they keep they keep coming back to some of this um as they as they escape out of the like basic princess um mm. modality to like you know try to do other things but yeah it's a good question so yeah um cool any any other things people really want to talk about with uh with brave i have another controversy we can get into yeah uh -oh. um so not long after so this movie was very successful we'll talk about the box office in a minute but this movie was very successful and it was about the same time that disney was really getting into the princess business and they had minted this princess line um where they had these are the canonical princesses and they decided that they were going to add merida into the princess family unfortunately when they did the artwork that they gave her um basically they gave her a crazy sexy makeover uh she almost didn't look like herself anymore uh oh, and they is put... that where they were trying to take her curls away and, and yeah smooth out and... her features oh it's so horrible and, and they they put her, her in the 30 pounds yeah they made her lose about 30 pounds. Uh, well, they made her lose 30 pounds from her from her waist and put it all in her boobs and her ass. Uh, gave her this, like, uh, you know, crazy hourglass figure. and this, Because like, that naturally happens to anyone. Yeah. And, and, and gave her this, like, come hither, uh, you know, sexified look. Put her in the dress that she hated. Uh, as that 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 was going to be like her canonical princess dress and um yeah which caused some controversy at the time um i and i remember it causing controversy because i ended up writing about it pretty extensively um uh, at the time and being like shocked at how uh how brazen this was um Brenda Chapman came out and was like, I don't feel like this is appropriate. And I think Disney should back off from this. And I think, yes, Merida should be a princess, but she should be a princess on her own terms. That's that's Merida's story. Uh, and they did. They they backed off and they they changed her um, her character model to be a little bit less. Uh, sexified um still kind of problematic but you know at least at least not as bad um but yeah so you can go to change.org to sign the petition to say no to making merida brave or merida sexy yeah there, no there was yeah there was a change.org uh petition to like stop the sexy. It's over one hundred and ten thousand signatures. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. So, 
Yeah, no, that's like ten years ago now. So is um, sexified a word, or did you just make that up? I don't know. If it isn't, then I claim it. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. you gotta. I mean, while we're getting Mucinex on here, let's let's get some Andy words. <laughs> sexified. Anytime anybody uses that, you gotta pay me a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's crazy. Like, and totally not surprising, given the no, of course, trajectory not. of some of these Disney films, but. Um, right yeah that's nuts (coughs) well and they try to and they will try to do that again with anna and elsa too well and no one tries to put calf implants on flynn rider right like he has pretty he had some chicken legs but nobody's clamoring for him to look like he didn't skip leg day right so well zachary quinto never sorry not (laughs) zachary quinto (laughs) also never skips leg day Zachary, but Zachary Levi. Levi. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chuck. You go to the same gym. It's fine. Spock. <laughs> Chuck. Spock. You know. Hi, same guys. guy. Same guy. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> uh, no, sir. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It just yeah, that, that standard is ridiculous where that, that continues to happen. Like, yeah. Just well, stop. and it's, it's all about the, you know the continued commodification of of all of this and you know and selling girls on this idea that this is this is your beauty standard this is who you have to look like this is what you have to look like this is what you want to be this is what you want to play like and it took you know merida uh you know from the girl who's going to go jump on her horse and go uh, you know, climb up the the cliffs to the uh, the the flaming waterfall that only the the bravest chiefs go up to. To like, oh, now she's sexy and wearing a corset. It's like, okay, uh, very dis- disappointing, but not um, unexpected, um, given where where Disney was and. You know, and this is, uh, you know, this is all continued growth. It's, you know, three steps forward and three steps back. And, um, you know, eventually maybe we'll we'll get somewhere. But brave overall, you know, this is this is what we got. It's not the most perfectest of movies, but it's there's some good stuff in here. And I, I, I end up liking it quite a bit. Any other any yeah, other I, things? And, we want and to I think about. the I think the kids do too, and I think that's important. I, at at least the girls in this house they see Merida as as one of the characters they can finally um, go. Oh, okay, so it's okay that I'm like this, right? right. Um, and again, it's it's interesting that it doesn't necessarily relate to more watching of the film, but um, it it is one of the movies when when you when you ask the kids like which characters do you like the most this one definitely come you know merida definitely comes up top two or three right because of that so that that is a nice thing yeah and i definitely end up as melissa knows with my stepdad jokes more like this dad um so (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) he would definitely have all the the (laughs) for sure Yep. Yep. Everything JB knows about uh, 
fatherdom he learned from the the Scottish guys in Brave. From, from Billy Connolly from and Ding, Craig Ding Waller or whatever. Ding Waller or whatever yeah. it is. I definitely have that. Yeah. All right. Uh, any any other any other things we want to say, or shall we go into our our normal rigmarole? Yeah, let's do some of that. I'm interested in all your studio notes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Okay. This movie, as I said, um, made two hundred and thirty-seven million dollars at the domestic box office. Adjusted for inflation, we just flipped those last two numbers. Two hundred and seventy-three million. That's still a hell of a lot of money. Um, an additional three seventeen at the international box office. Oh, and I should mention this: this movie came out uh, June twenty-second of twenty twelve. Hey, so this movie just hit its uh, its ten-year anniversary a, a couple weeks ago. So happy, happy ten-year, happy ten-year birthday, Brave. So, uh, yeah, made a made a easy half a um, half a billion uh, was definitely a a high water mark at the time, um, and showed that Disney could do this sort of progressive princess model uh, in a way that was going to um, that was going to give them lots of money. And when they won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, um, you know, this sort of indirectly paves the way for um, uh, for Frozen to be as um, as sort of, uh, I don't know, not progressive. That's not the right word, but more forward thinking um, as as it as it wants to be. So um, really really hugely important and very very successful um all right studio notes who's got some studio notes? more haggis more haggis <laughs> the haggis only is delicious time... bt dubs uh, only I... in scotland don't get the canned stuff that's disgusting i love that he <laughs> what was it when he made the the face out of the haggis in the scene. <laughs> oh, I had to rewind it because I'm like, did he make a face with his like orange slices and haggis? Actually, I picked "Don't just play with your haggis" as my good... favorite quote because it sounds dirty. You know, <laughs> it doesn't smell like what it's supposed to be. If you don't, especially if you don't know what haggis is, it sounds like something else entirely. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Awesome. Kit, I refuse to believe that haggis tastes good. Have um, you been to Scotland and tried it? No. Okay. But I will. When, when we get you there, I will take yeah. you to I will a see, mile. And I will. I'm, my vote's with Kit because tripe was pretty darn good. So. When I was a vegetarian, I tried vegetarian haggis and it reminded me of something our dad used to make called hamburger gravy. Um, which is basically mm. salt and pepper beef. And so it like yeah. eating it, it tastes like salt and pepper and herbaceous like meat. And it doesn't you like I, I'm not gonna be like brave enough to go out and try steak and kidney pie yet. 
but all ground up where you don't have to think about it and paired with like parsnips, delicious. Yeah. Andy, didn't your kids watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? Uh, no. You gotta they try were... new food because it might taste good. Yeah, so I... America. It's bad but in America. We've we've had we had this conversation during our Hannibal episodes though. Like I just I I just don't like organs. I don't know. I just I I can't get over oh well there goes our hammond sponsorship thanks yeah, a lot Andy. I'm, I'm sorry no <laughs> i think i blocked out most of those conversations yeah i just I, I i can't get over eating like you know organs and i that that probably makes me very classist and um that yeah i'm just i'm not into tripe or you know a bunch of other a bunch of other things but i just I don't I don't really want to eat stomach and lungs and pancreas. And I'm sorry. So mm -hmm. I don't know. But Boy, we'll we'll try worst it. Serial killer ever. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Waste all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Where's Mads? Someone call Mads. <laughs> apparently. Apparently, yeah, that's what needs to happen. Okay. Uh other other studio notes. Other than Andy has to eat haggis. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that one came. I like that one, though. <laughs> so, I, I, I kind of want to talk about how it's set in Scotland, but, like, going back and watching it, and, you know, again, this is limited to me having been to Scotland for, like, two weeks of my life. But, like Lilo and Stitch, this movie kind of felt like it could have been set anywhere, but they put it in Scotland to have the plucky comic relief of really impulsive men with red hair, you know, getting in fights. Uh, whereas, like, it could have been any medieval, you know, story with British accents or French, well, probably not French accents, they're harder to understand. Um, and, like, to me, it didn't feel like, when I watched it again, it didn't feel as much like Scotland going and, like, reading stuff on the internet. Apparently, they did a lot of location scouting in Scotland. So it's probably just areas I've not been to in the Highlands, but it's just, uh, it's beautiful. The film is beautiful. And, uh, you know, I love, I love me some Scottish accents, but I felt like, uh, you know, when, when you get into Scottish folklore, I've never read a story with a will of a wisp. I've, I've heard about Kelpies. I've heard about like the Fae and the fairies, um, but and I'm not saying I'm a, an authority by any means. I'm just you know it felt I felt like in some ways it could have uh, been I guess more Scottish <laughs> um, or you know. Uh, because I, I do feel like, it's like, oh, well, we'll make it Scottish because Scottish people are really funny. And wouldn't it be great if Kevin McKidd was completely unintelligible? Although I have met that guy and not Kevin McKidd, but like that guy in Scotland, you can't understand. And it's like, I think I got about 30% of that. Uh, and it's just fun. That's interesting. I, cause I don't know, I, that's one of the things I really liked was like I'm like oh yeah a will of a wisp and and like and fairy folk and and all of that it it felt very like 
I don't know, maybe just because like I know a lot of that stuff, um, right. but it it felt it felt real to me. But then I I've never been to Scotland, so um, yeah, interesting. I think that you know always looking for cultural realism. I think that would be interesting to like have more people who are actually like Scottish folklore historians who are like adding more to it. That might be, yeah, that might be interesting. What other studio notes do we have? I sort of already covered mine. Just, I wish they would have gone further into the mother daughter relationship. Um, it was great that they did that, but it was very kind of surfacey to me um, and a little rushed maybe. And um, when on the rare occasion, especially 10 years ago or more where we saw female centric relationships portrayed, they were almost always like competitive or catty. I mean, even today we see a lot of that still. Um, this one wasn't that way, but it was, you know, it was adversarial for sure, but that's realistic for a lot of us, um, especially if there's like, you know, a white generational gap, which is part of the problem here with them. Um, but it still stayed very surfacey, you know? Um, and I, I just wish they would have delved into it more and maybe they could have, if there was say 40% less hijinks, you know? Um, yeah, totally. So I, that's the biggest missed opportunity here, I think, is to really delve into what makes mothers and daughters tick and what makes them, you know, sometimes have that, that rift between them. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's what I had written down exactly here is more, more mother daughter, like bridging the divide mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, but and, I'm sure that doesn't please all four quadrants, right? So right, of course not. Yeah. Or just I, create all the hijinks into one and follow the best model, which is the archery scene in Robin Hood, and have just that one level of hijink and then stop. Right, <laughs> like run through all the castle buildings and then stop. Right. Yeah, you have like one crazy five one minute action giant, Yeah, thing. instead of like pockets of them. Through, mm -hmm. through the last 40 minutes of the film. I'm, I'm with you there, Melissa. I think they're, it just distracted from what everyone was trying to get to. Yeah. I, have, I have two more brief notes. Mm -hmm. One, I would like the witch to have not just been Jerry with a, uh, with a wig on. I found that... Oh, initially, <laughs> I found that hilarious, but like the, the more times I watch it, I'm like, you know, this is a missed opportunity for, you know, to not be ageist, but just saying. Uh-huh. Uh, and, oh crud, there was one other thing. Oh, when uh, when young Dingwald is like, well, I didn't choose her. I would have loved his dad to say, but she's a princess. She's beautiful. She's rich. She's got huge tracts of land. Because uh, no. I, I love, I, I, that's what always pops into my head when they're having that conversation of course but i don't i don't think i don't think disney can make a boob joke 
that they're stealing from Monty Python. <laughs> I, I love. I bet a funny Pixar, idea. I but... bet Pixar would have, but Disney would have scrapped it. I think Pixar would have made that joke, right? If I don't know. Just a Pixar. I also think there was a severe lack of bear puns, which I find unbearable. Oh, of course you would. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll show myself out. Yep, Dad. <laughs> yep. But no, I, I think there was a couple spots, Kit, where they could have done kind of an homage to something. And, and I was like, oh, I feel like the Pixar proper would have done this, right? Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe their writing just, they did more of that to keep the adults um, into the movies later on. So what you're saying is they should have gotten their bearings together better? <laughs> See? It's addicting. <laughs> Apparently. Wow. We're all... Yeah, they just did the bare minimum. Yeah, they were looking for the bare necessities. Yeah, okay. You have to scratch and claw for each one. Hate to okay. be the bearer of bad news, JB. Maybe right, next so time. Instead of giving everybody COVID like last week, he's giving everybody the, <laughs> the, the, the stepdad. Well, stepdad puns. Brooke didn't get the COVID. She just got the bad puns. So she escaped. <laughs> you got me in the eye. Ah. <laughs> okay. That, see, that just sounds dirty like don't play with Yeah, me. I realized after I said it, I'm sorry. As soon as I said it, I was like, bro. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh any other studio notes? Okay, then on to our best one-liners or quotes. I've already heard don't play with your haggis, which is great. I I did the whole I love when she goes back to the witch's shed and she does the answering machine from the pot like for some reason that i am completely I love that. But if, if you'd like the menu in gaelic file two if you're the redheaded girl file three right i don't know why but that whole paragraph was really funny and um, then that the, she had to repeat it several times they had to keep <laughs> i'm like okay this is this is kind of funny this yeah. this probably isn't going to age super well um like That's 40 so years from now people are yeah. going to be like what is this? What are you like, talking about? Yeah, but um, yeah, but that was kind of funny. Yeah, the haggis line is by far. I'm I'm a thorn to that. That line still makes me laugh. That's a great one. Um, this wasn't necessarily. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to get married. I want to stay single. Let my hair flow in the wind as I ride through the glen, firing arrows into the sunset. Blink, blink, blink. <laughs> I'm so glad you just did that. That's good. Um, this isn't this isn't a great line per se, but it uses one of my fra favorite phrases, which is, "Will not stand for any more of this jiggery pokery." <laughs> I love jiggery pokery. It's <laughs> such a weird. <laughs> Any other favorite lines? All right. Anything Kevin the kid says that's almost unintelligible or completely unintelligible. Yeah. Okay. Best side character. Young MacGuffin. 
Yeah. Yes. That's that's also a great name. You're speaking of trying to like a lump of the kiwi than you can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the boys are cool. Like we talked about, it's hard to. I I still don't have a great sense for. Like I would have liked more of them, but I did like those characters. Yeah. Um. Mordu. Mordu's pretty cool. Yeah. He's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, I'll go with the witch. The witch I like. I like the witch. She's my favorite. Don't make a deal with her, but yeah, yeah. she's. Don't buy bear stuff from witches in no. the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Always a bad idea, and don't eat their food. Damn it. Don't take a cake from a fucking witch, man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because it's scouring gaming. <laughs> That's my new favorite quote of this movie. Don't take a cake from the fucking witch. <laughs> so good. Yeah, seriously. Uh, best song? I feel like there was only one song. There were songs? Yeah, this was not a songy movie. Which is perfectly okay. Yeah, oh, good. Could do without the, the music this time around. Well, the theme song didn't... I mean, there's some songs like... I think Mumford & Sons did a song, right? The Learn Me Right. And, and I can't pronounce her last name, but... Sarah Bareilles. She did the theme song, right? At the end? Yeah, so, see? I, I like, don't even remember that there are songs in this movie. But, I, like, didn't even remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, best song. Yeah, I liked the whole score, worry. but I mean, the score was really nice. But score yeah, was good. not not tons of um, memorable. Of course, anything by Mumfords and Sons, I'm going to try to forget. But Andy <laughs> knows that. <laughs> what? Why are there banjos here? What's what's going on? Yeah, what, why are there um, six people and no drummer? Let's just turn this off. <laughs> okay, is this a good movie? Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. Despite, despite uh, John Lasseter's attempts to screw it up, uh, it ended up being pretty good. It does a few things really, really well. Yeah. Uh, is the main character Merida a good person? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By the end, she's no. Even at the beginning, she's a good person. She's a little immature, but we all have to learn and grow. That's all right. She's she's a good person. Little girls should be like her. Um, and little boys too. Um, should we show this to children? Uh, I did show this to children. Yep, as did I, and they liked it. I also did. Same. Yeah. So I like it. Um, yeah, show it to them. Make them shoot their arrows. Uh, all over the place. Okay. Well, that's that's brave. Um, cool. Well, we will be back in a couple weeks with Frozen. But before then, uh, it's somebody's birthday this week. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Anyway, Kit, what are we watching for your birthday? So having gone back and forth 
with the absolute power and choice paralysis, I think <laughs> I decided <laughs> that in line with your guys's campy and weird choices, I'm going to do Labyrinth, uh, just because I can't get enough of David Bowie. He was my first crush and I have a deep and abiding love. It was also the first movie I ever bought for myself. Nice. And I can't get enough of Jennifer Connelly. Similar reasons. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I just watched The Rocketeer yesterday. Oh my goodness. Oh, so she fun. is so she is so great. Anyway. Uh yes. Labyrinth. Uh I'm very excited for Labyrinth. Um that's gonna be a lot of fun and I think fits into um fits into some of our discussions about princesses and what being a princess is like um and and also um why you shouldn't just let anybody adopt your baby um so i don't know if everybody's been seeing all of the memes uh running around the internet uh this last week of like weird white people saying we'll adopt your baby and now it's become like weird people from like pop culture. Uh, oh, yeah. Definitely, my favorite is is Jareth from Labyrinth saying, "We'll adopt your baby." Um, yes, I find very that bad cool. idea. Nice. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll be back dancing with David Bowie next week. Um, and if anyone wants to watch another movie about mother-daughter relationships it's really bizarre and beautiful go watch everything everywhere all at once uh yes yeah um definitely watch it spoiler alert that's in that's in the running for what i might choose for my Ooh, birthday movie good choice oh good because i really need to talk about it yay yeah, yeah. good choice. i have a i have a long list of movies i'll i'm gonna put up a poll uh in the facebook group of um different different things and we'll see what what people want to what people want to do not necessarily movies but types of movies is, like is putting up a poll like playing with your haggis yes <laughs> absolutely yes. absolutely <laughs> okay remember to wash your hands after you play with yeah. your <laughs> yep. you don't get pink eye take an uh. extra dose of mucinex before you do that <laughs> okay uh until then we'll uh See y'all next time. Throw back your head and kiss it all goodbye. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.